Welcome to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. I'm your host, Tim Reed. And once again, guys, I am so excited to be here. Thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast. You know, I was looking over this, and we're in episode nine. It's pretty cool that we're making it through the first season. We're about three quarters of the way through right now. Now, a little bit of housekeeping just to start out with. I hope that this podcast has been delivering you guys some value, and I love the content that the guests bring week after week. And one of the themes that I hope you've caught on to is that very often we can make life so difficult for our customers, it's not even funny. And if that's the case, you know, we have to go about undoing some of the bad habits that we have, seeing things like a consumer, and then executing on that so that we can make it easy for them. And if that's resonated with you at all throughout the course of this podcast, I'm so excited to announce this, but I've been asked to speak at the HPBA Expo this year in Dallas, Texas. It's going to be awesome. So the Expo, I believe, starts on March 14th, and the education is for a few days before that. Well, I'll be speaking on March 13th, and my class is called Make It Easy how to sell more by eliminating customer confusion. And we're going to take a deep dive on a lot of the content that we've talked about in the podcast, mainly how we make life so difficult for consumers. And if we can actually eliminate some of the confusion that we cause, we're going to see sales raise exponentially. Now on to today's interview. Today we'll be talking with Eric Camp from All Fuel Installation. And I'm just going to lay my cards on the table. This guy's a competitor of mine and he's amazing. He runs a really, really good installation company here in Portland, Oregon, but this guy is a consummate pro. And what I think you're going to love in this interview is hearing his story because he's somebody that years and years ago, he had all this experience in the hearth industry. He took a chance. He went into business for himself as an installer. And there's probably a lot of folks listening that have done that, where maybe they worked for a company for a while, they felt like they could do it better, and they became their own installer. And you know, pretty soon you find out, man, you're chained to that van or to the truck, you feel like you can never get ahead of it. But what's cool about Eric's story is that he's actually been able to scale his company into a full-blown service company, installation company, with call center, with schedulers. And like I said, he's a competitor of mine, but he's an amazing competitor. Because Eric is someone that is radically committed to the customer. You're going to hear that in the interview over and over again. He's radically committed to their benefit. And he's not somebody that price gouges left and right. He's a, he's a good competitor that knows his value. He respects other people in the market. And he makes everyone better. And, you know, one of my favorite things to do when I run into a situation I can't figure out is I'll call up Eric and I'll say, hey, man, this is new for me. I don't know. What, what should we do in this situation? How would your guys handle it? He's very forthcoming with that information. And, and same thing, he'll call me if he has a question in regards to sales or anything else. So I hope that one thing you guys take away from this is that, you know, it's good and fine to compete on the field. But a lot of your competition are great people and we can actually make the industry better together and compete fairly and with respect side by side. Now, I want you to listen to Eric. Like I said, he's bootstrapped this company from the ground up. He's got some amazing expertise with what they're doing. So if you're in an install van, if you've been thinking about what does it take to scale my company, how can I you know, get out from behind the wheel, get behind the desk and start growing this thing, this interview is for you. So I hope you enjoy it. We'll circle back afterwards. Thanks for listening. 
joining me all the way from Troutdale, Oregon. This guy knows installation and what it takes to run a great team. I am joined by the president of All Fuel Installations, Eric Camp. What's up, man? Hey, Tim. How's it going? It's going good. So it's funny. I came and uh, they told me to come out to their facility. And so I'm sitting here and, you know, you go into their facility. It looks like a big shop that you'd expect with office work and things like that. We come upstairs here and I'm looking at arcade games. I get, there's a pool table here, a beer tap. I mean, how do you, do you guys even work here? Absolutely. Yeah, this, <laughs> this is the reward for working here after the long days in the winter. So lots of times the guys come up here, we hang out, we watch sports, TV, you know, have the guys come up with their families, just relax a little bit after a long day of work. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, I'm excited to talk to Eric. And for those of you that don't know him, he's got some serious tenure in this industry. And in my opinion, he runs one of the best installation companies around. Um, You know, in some ways, I even I compete with him sometimes. We work side by side sometimes, and I feel like, uh, man, there's no one that can say a bad thing about you. It it is a it's fun to have you as a part of the industry, and and I think that uh, it's gonna be a really good conversation with what you bring to the table. I appreciate that. It's always fun to talk to you. Yeah. So um, for people that that don't know, All Fuel is an independent installer. So you don't have a retail store, and you've been doing this for a long time. But can you kind of speak to how you got into that and what your history in the hearth industry is? Absolutely. So I kind of got in the hearth industry in a roundabout way uh, through the propane industry. So when I was originally hired in 1992 to drive a propane bobtail truck from a small retailer that was uh, here in Portland, had one showroom, was more focused on the nuts and bolts of propane, a little bit of gas barbecues, and a little bit of hearth. Uh, business dictated that we continue to grow, and when we did, we pulled my myself and another person out of the delivery driver side. My partner was named Darren Cooper. He actually went and started running the retail side of the business, and I ended up starting the installation side of the business for what was then Gas Connection. Uh, we did that for four to five years, started to make a name for ourselves here in the in the Portland market area, and I was approached by Suburban Propane with an offer to come to work for them and kind of replicate what I'd done at what we had done at Gas Connection in their retail facilities. Uh, that didn't seem to be a good idea for me going to work for a corporate area after working for a small independent person for a long time. So after you know a couple of months, Suburban Propane decided they'd just buy Gas Connection, and that's how I still became employed through Suburban Propane. So <laughs> one way or another, they got us. Yes, and they, they did the end around. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that just uh, developed into me going and opening up retail locations for the suburban propane retail side and then started to develop the installation and service business, which was truly my background. So after years of of opening retail stores, suburban propane decided they were going to start a company called suburban at home. They asked me to run that division on the West coast for them and basically turn their service centers into profit centers. The service when the propane business had always been, something you gave away as part of the selling price of your propane. We determined that that was not the way to do business. And because of my background of install installation and services here in Portland, we decided to try and make that a profit margin or a profit center. So after years of doing that, decided I was uh, sick of doing the traveling thing. We agreed to part ways and I started up all fuel installation service about 13 years ago. Wow. That's so, a, yeah. That's, that's a long time you've been doing it then. Yeah. 26 years this year. It's uh, it almost seems like I'm, oh, I'm way too young to say that, but it's the truth. So. Yeah. Well, you glossed over it a little bit and I want to dig into it because when we've yeah. talked before, I mean, you've opened up like tons and tons and tons of retail stores, right? Yeah. I yeah. Mean, so we've opened up, uh, I mean, on the East coast and West coast, there was almost 16 hometown hearth and grill is what gas connection turned into a more, uh, I'd say nationally friendly name than Gas Connection. And then we went in and, and started adjusting service centers. And that's where really we, we had a lot of, of uh, success. And that was turning almost 111 
retail centers or service centers into suburban home locations that were more focused on the actual driving of the uh, service center, making money, charging for the services and, and goods provided. Wow. Yeah, that's really cool. And so, yeah, all fuel installation now for 13 years. How do you even build a company from scratch doing that when all you're doing is labor? You know, it's for me, it was about establishing relationships with the retailers first and just showing them that we could provide them a level of customer service that nobody else had. You know, we, we did things initially that a lot of companies didn't do, and that was we stayed on top of their customers. We, we called people back every day. We couldn't afford when we first started to have a staffed office, so what we ended up doing was we would call people back. We'd work in the field 10, 12 hours a day. We'd call every customer back that night, and we started to make a name for ourselves in the industry that we would take care of the customer no matter what it was and no matter what costs. And, and quite honestly, we also kind of looked at it as being the garbage men of the industry. We take on the work that nobody else wanted to do, the range pipes, the dryer pipes, things to get us by and to continue to grow and, and refine and develop our business. Yeah, that's really good. We always talk about at our company that it's always customer first, profit second. Profit's a close second, but yeah. but, but that's the order. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, that's kind of our big thing is just how can we be of service? Yeah. And you know that's what we ask ourselves every day when we deal with the customers. How can we be of service to them? We don't ever try and oversell them on something. We, we try and keep their best interests in mind. We don't gouge prices based on zip codes. We just take care of the customer and we figure that if we do a good job with them, the dividends that will pay off for us in the future will be them asking us for you know a repeat call or referring us out to friends and family. It's really, really good. Now, I, I want to ask just the point in question. A lot of installation companies don't think that way. I've, I've worked with a lot of independent installers in the past and even companies that provide their own installation work and they look at it as I don't know. I guess they look at it as just uh, something that they have to do, not a service they provide to the customer. How how have you been able to make the shift to really treat every customer the right way and and really make installation a premium service? You know, that's a great question, and I think what we've done more you know more than anything else is just determine that we don't want to be a mom and pop business, a one off. You know, this is what our livelihood is. We're supporting families. We provide tremendous benefits package to our employees, and because of that, we have to make sure and get every single bit of business that comes through our doors and treat our customers the correct way. At the end of the day, profits do matter, but I can specifically count numerous occasions where we've given away two, three, four thousand $4,000 installs because the customer hasn't been either pleased with the outcome, whether it be our fault or the retailer or a contractor who is doing the build-out. But, you know, it ends up at the end of the day that the customer has to win. And if we have to take one or two hits here and there to make sure that our name's still good, that's what we do. I'm with you. I'm, I'm absolutely with you on that. I think that you win long-term doing that. And I think that there is something to be said for being the garbage man. I can totally see as an independent installer uh, that, that that's, that's where you could be. But the good thing with that is that if you can prove yourself, that's how you start to get that referral business when you bail someone out of a bad situation. Definitely. And that's kind of what's, what's helped to, to drive our businesses. We, we didn't have the money to solicit business you know, from an advertising standpoint when we started. So it was all word of mouth, grassroots campaigns, going to dealers. And you never know who the customer is that you're working for. One customer may have a friend that builds 16 custom homes in a year. Another customer may have a real estate development firm that turns over five or 600 houses and need fireplace services. And so every customer to us is a potential stream of revenue down the road. And that's how we've decided to treat everyone. That's awesome. So I want to tell a funny story. Uh, I don't remember when this was. It might have been might have been six months to a year ago. And what happened is I, I called you because we were going we to grab a beer or grab some dinner or something like that. So I was, I was calling your office to schedule for you. And I called the office. You weren't there. And I said, hey, I want to talk to Eric. I want to schedule an appointment with him. And they said, oh, no problem. We'll get you a call back here soon. So hour and a half went by. 
no phone call. Next thing I know, your office calls me and they said, hey, I just want to let you know, Eric hasn't been back to the office yet. I know we promised we'd give you a phone call and we'll let you know as soon as he's here, we'll call you before the end of the day. And I was like, oh, dang, that's cool. It's nice that they called me. So the day keeps on going and all of a sudden it's, it's seven o'clock at night and I'm, I'm pulling up to get some takeout dinner for me and my wife, just pregnant at the time. And I got a phone call like seven, seven thirty at night from your office saying, Hey Tim, I'm so sorry. Eric hasn't been back to the office yet. I just wanted to let you know, we haven't forgotten about you and we promise he'll call you first thing in the morning. And I mean, next thing, first thing in the morning, I got a phone call and that was amazing. I felt so taken care of. And I'm thinking, man, if this is the way that you treat people for random lunch appointments, your customers have to feel really good. Yeah, and, and you know our office staff, you, I can't say enough good things about them, uh, especially Sherry who drives the office. She's our office manager, been doing it forever. Um, she grew up in the industry too somewhat. That's actually how we met uh, was from she was working in another hearth store. But for them, taking care of the customer is the ultimate goal. And when I say that, I don't mean it lightly. A lot of companies out there, say they're going to give good customer service, but they don't, you know, they're, they're, they're clocked in from nine, they clock out at five and that's where their customer service stops. There are times in the winter and during busy season, and most people in the hearth industry can appreciate this, that we're open at six o'clock in the morning and we have people still working at nine o'clock at night. But the key is for our customers never to be out of that loop. They have to be informed. They have to know what's going on. And our office really helps to generate, I'd say what's, you know, probably our best customer satisfaction by informing customers the guys are running late, the guys are on time, here's where we're at, here's what's going on, and always keeping them in the loop. They treat, them, they treat customers how they want to be treated, and that's, that's the biggest thing. A lot of people say that, but it's, it's a whole different world to live it. Yeah, I, I believe it, and I know it because I've experienced it in, you know, in that story. And so if, if we're talking about this, for people that are listening, you know, if you want to run a top-notch installation outfit, it sounds like it really starts with the communication. It does. Yeah. It, it, communication and having systems in place that have checks and balances that you can't fail and that you have multiple people looking out for those. And you have to have people buy into your program. If your employees don't buy into it, then that's where, that's where everything starts to fall apart is if your employee doesn't buy into it, calling a customer when they're running late, it just, it ultimately goes down the ladder to where you have a failure in the system. And so we, we try and avoid that as much as we can with you know good employee buy-in and leading from the top and show, starting the good example at the office level. I'm really glad that you said systems because I, I talk a lot about this. And so often the second I say the word system or process, I get like a deer in the headlights look from people. But I'm convinced it's the only way to win. I mean, so many companies, they don't know what their left hand is doing or what their right hand is doing. They're just I don't know, they're just out doing whatever seems right at the time. And, and I always tell my team that the reason I'm so big on systems and processes is that I'm not trying to make robots, but we got to put lines on the basketball court in order for us to play the game. If we don't have those lines, we just descend into chaos. Can you speak to the systems and checks and balances? Absolutely. Yeah, and that's a, that's a really good point, Tim. Uh, you know, we live and die by the systems we put in place. For us, everything starts electronically. So as soon as a customer touches us, and, and keep in mind, we have, you know, approximately 12 techs in the field. Uh, three staffed office personnel and a couple certain a couple estimators running around. So we touch between two and three hundred customers a day, almost every day. Everything for us is handled electronically. The customers are called, communicated the appointment times. Guys start their day with their calendar and all their paperwork printed out, ready for them for the day. Vans are loaded. They head out in the field and do their work. Come back in and Sherry, who's in charge of the office, goes through every bit of paperwork to verify. 
bills were correct, customers were taken care of. If there's parts that need to be ordered, we get those in a separate system in an Excel spreadsheet so that we can get those items ordered. We know where they're at, who they're coming from, promise delivery date so we can communicate that to our customers. And then that allows us to start checking back on the system when we're getting close to those part dates to communicate to customers where the service calls are going to take place and when their parts are in. There's a lot of volume, you know, with, when you end up doing 30 plus installations a week and, you know, close to 100 plus services a week. Uh, there's a lot of things that can be left out if you don't have the proper systems in place. So electronic for us is, is the only way to go. And it's been a very good system. And we do the easiest system out there. We don't use a service scheduler. Uh, this is what we set up at Suburban, so I'm kind of taking a lot from them on this one, but uh, we refined it, and that's we use Microsoft Outlook. We share calendars so that the guys can have it on their phones so that we can put as much detail in the, in the notes as possible, which is big for every one of our technicians, including the estimators, knowing who they're going to see, where the lead came from, what the work entails, or what the problem is with the product. Any pertinent information is given to the technicians before they go in the field so they can assess before they get there what the problem may or may not be and have the proper tools and parts loaded in their trucks. Yeah, that's really good. We, we actually use Outlook as well. Whenever we're doing our in-home previews, we share calendars, we put notes in. And for some people, they think it's too simple. But I mean, I think that the simplest solution possible is usually the best one. Absolutely. Yeah, keep yeah. it simple. Yeah, that's really good. So I want your take on this. We, we made this switch. Oh, I don't know, probably six years ago, seven years ago to with every job that gets installed, uh, basically a standard operating procedure. You know, if you're doing a zero clearance fireplace out the back, this is step one, this is step two, this is step three. And by the way, we need to take a picture of this, of this, of this, of this. And so what we do now is, you know, we, we spray paint our nailing flanges. Every joint that pipe gets snapped together, we spray paint the joint. We put the level on the fireplace. We take a picture of it. We stand 10 feet back. We take a picture of it. We have a level on the chimney pipe outside. We take a picture of it. And, and it has been amazing. I mean, it's gotten us out of some sticky situations. Yeah. We've, we've had times where uh, a, a builder, a building inspector has called us and said, your fireplace is breaching code because the, uh, the hearth on it is, is uh, too close to the glass. And we'll go back and look at our pictures and we'll say, there's no hearth on this fireplace. And, you know, we've literally had the builder uninstall our fireplace, build it up with a hearth in the wrong spot, try to reinstall it. And we can tell because, you know, we have the original pictures and the documentation. Um, I'm, I'm sure you guys do similar things to that. Absolutely. I mean, in this digital age, you know, and with the amount of people, and when I say people, I, you know, I'm referring to contractors, both licensed and non-licensed that we're having to compete with in this market because of the workforce issues. Uh, we're seeing a lot more issues with, exactly what you're explaining and that's jobs that get done get installed to code get passed and all of a sudden a month two three months later we have customers calling us going this is wrong this is wrong this is wrong and we you know instantly go back to pictures and say well here's how it was when we left it and you know we can we can absolve ourselves of that but at the end of the day as i'm sure your company does we still go out and take care of the customer and, and in a lot of cases it's in a reduced service rate just to make sure that at the end of the day, although we didn't cause a problem, as long as the customer knows that we weren't the source of the issue and that it was another company or another contract, something they blatantly did, and we do have to charge a nominal fee to cover our time, they're understandable to that. You know, we've, I'm really proud of the fact that we've won the Angie's List Super Service Award for 10 years in a row. Wow. So there's very few companies that can say that. There's none in Oregon that can say that, that have, that have the volume that we do that are a consistent winner like that. And 
I like to think it's because of, of things like that, of taking care of the customers when it's not your fault and also being able to explain to the customers, show the customers that originally it wasn't your fault. And that that's a big thing in our industry. Yeah, that's really good. So if we've got communication as a pillar, we've also got um, you know checks and balances, like you said, and, and you do that from a digital platform. It, that makes a ton of sense. Um, I want to ask you about the way that you treat your employees, because I know that you work your employees hard, but you're also really fair and offer great benefits. Talk about why that's so important. Well, you know, we ask our guys to do a lot for us. And, and anybody that's been in the hearth industry for any amount of time knows it's not an easy job. You know, installations is a nightmare. Every job changes, weather conditions affect it. You're dealing with customers on their turf. And that's a lot of things that retail salespeople don't understand. When a salesman deals with a customer in their showroom, the customer has a completely different attitude than what happens when an installer goes to their home site and now you're in their neighborhood. And that can, if not handled properly, you can escalate a situation very quickly with mm-hmm. your customers. So what we like to do is treat our, our employees like family, give them the onus to make the right decisions, but also have them buy into our business and see, okay, great. They take care of me, so I'm going to take care of them. And by taking care of them, it means taking care of the customer. So we, we do things that a lot of companies don't do. You know, we, we do medical, dental, optical uh, insurance. We do 401k. We have two weeks vacation a year. After five years, you get three weeks vacation. We do all paid major holidays. Our guys do not work. You know, the, the majors uh, holidays, they all, always have the day uh, after Thanksgiving off. We do fun things with our, our crew, um, some things that people can appreciate, some that they can't. Like last weekend, we took our entire company whitewater rafting with their families over on the shoots, and uh, we bought their hotel rooms, we took them to dinner, took them to breakfast, you know, just had a good company, you know, just a bonding time, which I think is important when you work this close with people is to get there, know the families and, and know where they're coming from as well. We do a thing in the spring, right after winter gets over, we do a scavenger hunt at our the property that Sherry and I own over in Northeast Oregon, and we... Uh, we put the list together of 10 items that they have to go find in the woods on their own. <laughs> and, and then there's, there's huge prizes involved. So this year there was, uh, you know, first place was like $2,000 in travel vouchers, wherever you want to take your family. No way. Uh, second place was a Yeti cooler, which is about a $700 item. So, and then that's a fun time because all the kids are there and it's three or four days of camping. We always synchronize it around Memorial day weekend. And, you know, we just, we try and take care of them like we want to be treated. And we truly look at all of our people like their family. You know, most of our employees, their kids have been born here when they were employed here. And Sherry and I, we, we, we take that very seriously. You know, at the end of the day, when we go home, we know that there's 20 to 30 mouths that we're helping to feed. And so we pass on the thanks to our employees who then pass on the good customer service to our customers. Yeah, that is so awesome. It's funny that you talked about family because I guess it was it was last weekend. We we had a thing at Fireside where where we had the whole company up to a Tacoma Rainiers game. You know, minor league baseball club. We rented out the party deck and you know free hot dogs and and drinks or whatever. And there was a point where one of our new guys that was that was uh, he's only been on the team for a couple weeks. Him and his wife came, and the owner of Fireside, John Waterstrap, walks up. He introduces himself to this new team member's wife, and he says, "Welcome to the Fireside family." And she literally started crying. And, and the, this team member was telling me about it. And he was getting choked up telling me that like, he couldn't believe that the owner of the company would get to know, you know one of his employees' wives and say, you're part of the family. Thank you for, for coming on board. And yeah. I think it's awesome you're doing that. Yeah, it's, and that's amazing. That's a, that's a great story on John. And, and just I think anybody who's trying to, or has tried to hire people or, or is in the process of trying to hire people understands just what an asset employees are in this day and age. Mm-hmm. Because there's not a lot of them out there. 
And quite honestly, the ones that are out there looking for jobs, there's there's more than often you know a reason why they are. Yep. So and it's uh, it's good to it's good to take care of your employees, but you know you got to understand that they make your business as well. So. Yeah, yeah. We always talk about that. It's our people that are the source of our strength. We don't have anything without our people. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> I want to ask you though, because uh, this is a while ago we were talking. You told me about why you paid for dental for your employees, and I was laughing <laughs> so hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, and that was a decision that, that Sherry and I, uh, my wife, obviously made, and that was. Uh, that we just we, we don't want a bunch of toothless employees running around, you know, and, that, <laughs> and that's just the whole key. We don't have to provide dental, uh, but we do. We 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 pay you know seventy five percent of medical plus I think almost ninety percent of dental. So it's you know a couple dollars a month for them to do that to have the dental coverage. But yeah, I mean we we like to hold ourselves to a higher standard. So when our guys show up to a customer's house, you know they're in full uniform, names are on their uniforms, both the company and their personal names. Every vehicle we have is decaled. You know, we spend a lot of money on our decals on our vehicles. We do things that just we hope you know set us apart from the, the mom and pop shops. Not that there's anything wrong with mom and pop installers and, and one off and two offs. I understand that, but when you're working at the level that we are and trying to support the amount of employees that we are, we, we have to do that to you know differentiate ourselves from the other people. Yeah, absolutely. You got to be a pro, and I I think too. You know, it, it honestly allows you to charge more when you can give customers a delightful experience. When you show up, you're a professional. I mean, they're happy to pay for it. We had a funny story where there's a subcontractor that we refer for for some of our work, and they just straight up don't communicate with customers. And so, I wish that we could run it direct through them, but we have to be the liaison between them and the customer. So, what we do is we double their price, and people pay for it. We you know, we manage the communication pretty well. And there was a point where we we're having some issues with them, so we brought them into the office, and I'm, I'm talking to them. And before the meeting starts. The sub looks at me and he goes, now, Tim, before you talk to me, you got to be careful because I see the prices that you mark my work up to. And I said, okay, good, because that's money that you're leaving on the table because you are choosing not to communicate with your customers. I am doubling your price. So you are leaving 100% of the money that you charge on the table because you won't communicate with customers. So I'm glad that you see it. And I hope that you see the urgency of it because I don't want to do this job for you. I'd rather that you double your own price. Exactly. Keep the money. Take care of your customers. Take care of your customers. Yeah, it's a babysitting thing, and that's uh, that's a, that's a great story. I, I can't imagine being in that position for that. You'd have to be in that position with anybody that's doing work for you, especially with the volume of work that your company can dictate. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's funny. Well, so circling out to, I want to ask you this. We've talked a lot about this, and one of the best phone calls I ever got from you was you called me after you won an installation job that one of my guys went out and bid, and you called me and you said, Tim, your guy didn't include a permit on his on his bid. Um, what's going on? And I can't tell you, number one, how much I appreciate that. And number two, um, I want you to speak about what it's like to have good competition in the industry. So number one, I want you to talk about the importance of permitting and how relentless you are on that, but then also what it's like to kind of, uh, to have good competition that you can, uh, learn and grow from as opposed to cut against each other. Absolutely. And that, and that's probably the, the biggest issue in our industry right now. And, and the way that I've, I've, I've chose to run the business and, and I've always operated this way from day one is that there is no gray area as it relates to permits. It's black and white. There is no such thing as doing a fireplace swap out and not having to pull a permit. Exhaust vent appliances required to be permitted, period. In the state of Oregon you know, and Washington, that's, that's the code, period. And gas lines, there's no such thing as a three-foot rule or a five-foot rule. You run, if you read the code and you read the, the enforcement manual, it says if you alter a gas line, you're required to pull a permit. So 
that's one thing that's that's in a lot of ways hurt our business, quite honestly, because we we enforce the permit thing. And on a five foot gas piping job, it turns you know, you know, ABC contractor who's not pulling permits, who's charging two hundred dollars to do that work, is turning our job into a seven eight hundred dollar job because we have permit fees, we have inspections, we have return trips. So it becomes a an issue when you're talking to the customers to explain to them that permits are required, that we make it easy for them, we pull the permits for them, we don't allow them to pull them themselves, we call in the inspections, we verify the inspections, we close out the permits, make sure everything's finaled. We take all those steps to take it out of the customer's hands and just let the customer know that all they have to do is be there to meet the inspector. But that's been, a, as I said before, it's been an issue in our industry, especially here as the workforce has you know, dwindled away and there's more contractors out there that are doing work, subpar work, you're competing against people that you, you just can't compete against. Yep. So it drives right back to what this whole conversation has been between you and I, and that is what can we offer somebody that nobody else can? Yep. And that's the service. The fact we're going to be here, you know, we're not a guy that's going to be here one day, gone the next. Our, our, our reputation speaks for itself. And that's one of my biggest selling points when I have customers that, that balk on a permit or say, you know, ABC contractor said they'll do it for this. Why won't you do it for that? And I just simply say, go read our reviews. Right back to the digital age. Go online. Do your research. Go search my company against anybody in this market. Anybody. And I guarantee you that we will come out ahead on every single aspect of that. Mm-hmm. And that, like I said, relates right back to the employees. But there has to be, there has to be some kind of a common ground that's, that's found over the next couple of years between jurisdictions as it relates to inspection jurisdictions and contractors who aren't pulling permits. Yeah. Because if there isn't, with the demand of work that's out there, the companies who do it the right way are going to be forced out of business. And why I say that is, for instance, the city of Portland, Washington County are, are calling code issues on us that are co- basically making us run gas lines from a meter all the way to an appliance rather than teeing off at a furnace or a water heater because of the way they're doing their load calcs nowadays. This has recently changed, but it's, it's driving job costs up three, four, five hundred dollars And there again, you throw that additional price on without a cost for permit and a guy going out there doing the work out of the back of his van without a uniform, without insurance, without employees, and you can't compete at that level. Yeah. So it, it, it's an industry issue that has to be addressed. I'm hoping that it will get addressed in the future. Uh, I personally meet with Clackamas County, uh, with the inspectors there. I met with the head inspector from the city of Portland. But I think what the biggest thing these inspectors are missing, because I I hold a lot of onus on the inspectors on this is that we're there to support them. And what we're doing is allowing them to have a job and we shouldn't have to do all their work for them. And that's been a big thing that the more that they put on us, the more stress that they put on us, the more that they call nitpicky things that, that aren't necessarily code related, but are things that they just want to see personally the more it drives us out of the market, the people are doing it right because we have to play by the rules. Absolutely. That's what we chose to do. Yep, you can't so, afford not to. No, and we're playing by a completely separate rule than anybody else is because just like your company, mine, um, my competitors, also my good friend here in Portland, Evergreen Gas. Yeah, they're Bill great. Belden, uh, you know, we choose to do it the right way. We don't have a gray area. Everybody else operates in that gray area and it's just, it, it's hard to compete on it that yeah. level. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, I do think that long term, I think that long term, you know, it has to win because the reality is that we're putting a fire in someone's house on purpose. Absolutely. And you, it needs to be done safely. You know, we get this tunnel vision where we think it's not that big of a deal because we do, you know, hundreds of them each year, but it's a huge deal. Yeah. And the likelihood of error, um, the stakes are too high to do to do anything different. Absolutely. And, and 
that's a big thing to convince your customer on. And, you know, it's the fire life safety aspect of our work. And that's what, that's what your company deals with mine, you know, yep. anybody in the fireplace industry, that's what, that's what we deal with on a daily basis. And if you're not hiring the right people to do your job, then you run the risk of losing your family yeah. and all your possessions. And, and we try and enforce that without doing the scare tactic, obviously, but it's something every customer has to be aware of and, and decide, Hey, is this, you know, do I really want a contractor that has a license, a bond that has, you know, an A plus rating with the better business bureau that's never had a customer complaint from the, yeah. you know, the CCB. So it, it, it's, it's always be selling is what we always are doing. Your company, my company, yeah. every time we talk to a customer, there, there's every aspect of our business. We're completely always selling ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. I'm really glad you guys do that. I do want I want you to speak to the competitive landscape. So you you talked in particular about Evergreen. Yep. You know they're a great company. They did HVAC work on my own home. Um, you know we've had really good conversations, and I and I want you to speak to what it, what it means to have good competition versus being out just ready to slash each other behind the back. Well, that's that's, that's a good question. And good competition to me is somebody who is agreeing to play the game by the rules that have been dictated by the state. And that, that's really what good competition is to me. Anybody who wants to do business the right way, meaning pulling permits, selling their services, taking care of the customers after the fact, hey, there, there's more than enough business for all of us to go around. And, and there's no reason to get into price wars. Because in this day and age, it, you don't get anywhere, especially with having to provide benefits and trying to keep employees on your roster. It just ever, The people who end up losing are the companies because at the end of the day, you, you give it away and you lose your employees. So having good competition and people you can bounce things off of, and when you have inspector-related issues or code-related issues, you have a united front that you can approach the inspectors on, is huge. You know, you can't put yourself on an island no matter how big you think you are, how good you think your company is, because at the end of the day, you're going to need somebody's help. And I've learned that time and again, and, you know, and I lean on Bill. I know Bill leans on me. Other companies here in town that that I have a good working relationship with that do it the right way, or the, you know, we do the same thing. But you always have to be able to bounce things off of people in your industry, just like I've done off of you, just like you've done with me. It, it's a matter of having a good professional courtesy and understanding. Yes, we are in the same business, and yes, we are competing, but we're competing the right way and may yeah. the best man win. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's one thing I think about a lot. I'm I'm actually writing an article that's coming up here pretty soon. This the title of it is that you don't know who your competition is. And I think about this, I mean, for the people that are listening that, I mean, we sell fireplaces. And I think if I went and knocked on 10 houses in my neighborhood and asked them what a gas insert was, most people wouldn't have a clue. Absolutely. And it's not like we're selling dishwashers. Everybody yeah. knows what it is. The market's already tapped and it's cutthroat. Because, yeah. you know, I look at it as like, man, why, why is our industry sitting here all fighting over one slice of pie when the rest of the pie hasn't even been touched? People don't even know that we exist. Um, I think that our true competition is it's apathy and indecision and ignorance. And that's what we got to go after. Yeah. I mean, there's a tremendous amount of market share that the hearth industry has never gone after. And in the hearth industry, that's one thing that we've done a little bit different. Once we were able to grow and develop some business, we really hit our advertising hard. I mean, we spend a tremendous amount of money on advertising just to get our name out there so people understand what we do. I think all too often... Hearth Industries, and, and we were a, a big problem with that when we were in when we had Gas Connection Hometown. We advertised only during the hot spots of the season. Okay, it's September, it's October. We're going to start advertising Hearth. Okay, it's April. We're going to start advertising barbecue. In June, we're not going to advertise anything, and then we're just going to wait for the business to come in. That, in my opinion, has has always been a problem, and it has to be addressed. It's something one of those things that 
it's a year round business and you can turn fireplaces into a year round business. We Absolutely. Do. And it's, it's about annual maintenance. It's about still getting, you know, pushing your customers to do work in the summer when the season's a little bit, you know, less busy and you can get things done faster, less wait times, just educating the market in a, in a whole is what we're looking for. So I heard, I heard someone say this, it's impossible to employ top notch installers year round. It's impossible. Yeah, what, what would you say to that? Yeah, I, I would uh, say, come look at my company. <laughs> so yeah, we, we, we keep all, and not only do we keep our lead men, we keep our second men all year round. So we don't have a, a rotation program here at All Fuel. And that's one thing that, you know, I, I think that probably I'm the most proud of is the fact that our guys are full-time employees. Now, we do do a benefit for our employees in the summer, and that is from April 1st to uh, the end of August, basically Labor Day weekend. We work them four tens. And we do that because in the winter we work five twelves, and so um, we you know the four tens is, is a nice break. But we want them to kind of get a chance to recuperate, Absolutely. relax, spend some time with the family. You know that's the time to be outdoors, and just basically rejuvenate themselves when they come back in the fall. And we're working five days a week. It's like okay, we we got six months of this. We're back to four days a week. Yep. And, you know, we, we've never had a problem keeping our employees busy, uh, but we, we do take advantage of our customer base, you know, and that's one nice thing about being digital and, and being able to call your customers in April and say, Hey, we have a service special this month yep. or, you know, and you, and you get, you know, 10, 15, 20,000 customers out there. A lot of them will, will, will go to work on that. Absolutely. So. I mean, and you've already, you've already proved yourself that, that you can take care of them, that you've got their best interest in mind. Yep. And they have a good opinion about us. And so we just, it, it's always nice to continually put your company name back in your customers' minds yep. because you should never think that your customers remember who you are. Yeah. Because all too often somebody else will advertise to them and they'll forget all about all fuel, fireside, yep. whoever it was. So, you know, our our goal is to always have our customers remember who we are, whether it's reaching out to them every year, whether it's sending them postcards in the mail about service, leaving them refrigerator magnets, giving them a, you know, a, a paperwork folder that gives, has the whole installation process in there with cards attached, you know, something as simple as a refrigerator clip or, the, or a magnet. That's just continually allowing our customers to know who we are and remember us. Absolutely. It's really good. Well, I love that you mentioned earlier where you were talking about, you know, fly by night guys and, uh, just how tough it is with that, you know. And you talk too about about companies that that slash prices versus doing like a premium service at a at a premium price. And and I thought about this while you were talking. And Seth Godin says it all the time. He says the scary thing about a race to the bottom is that you might win. Yeah, exactly. And, and he says the scarier thing is you might come in second. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah, no, that's you know, I think what you have to do is look at your business. See what your employee package is. Determine what you want your profit margin to be. And you can never compromise that. Absolutely. If you do, that's when you go out of business. You, know, you have to know that you do a good job. You have to know what you're paying your employees. You have to know what your burden labor rate is, which is a big thing. You know, I know exactly what every single employee costs me with their benefits package for each hour they work here. So that helps us to come to a plan that says, here's how much money we have to charge to make this work. And we're never going to charge below that, and we're always going to charge, tr- strive to go above that, so that we can be a profitable business. You know, Absolutely. we have to make money. We're not a nonprofit organization. Absolutely. We've got to make money to stay in business, and and the majority of our customers understand that. And that's the key, I think, of selling your business is telling people we're here for you, but you're paying for that. And the nice thing is, you're going to pay twenty, thirty, two hundred, four hundred dollars more than the person who quoted, who came in here and quoted you the job before we did. But in five years, when you call to have that unit serviced, or you need to have another fireplace installed, we're still going to be here. Yeah, so it's really good. Yeah, 
Yeah, Eric. Well, man, this has been an awesome conversation. I love the facility that you guys have and just the value that you bring customers. I know people are going to get a ton out of listening to this of how to kind of fine tune and run their installation companies. But if someone wants to get a hold of you, where can they find All Fuel? Easiest way to do it. Uh, I mean, we're everywhere as far as websites and, and all that. But I will give out the easiest email. Just uh, allfuel at comcast.net is our, is our general email folder. Everything will get responded back to from allfuel at allfuelinstallation.com. But uh, allfuel at comcast.net is the easiest way to get a hold of us. Awesome. And what's your website? So it's allfuelinstallation.com. So www.allfuelinstallation.com. And you can look us up there. We have a site contact where you can fill out information. If you'd like to talk to me directly, uh, just send us an email. I'll be more than happy to entertain any questions. Awesome. Well, thanks, man. We appreciate the time. You bet. Thanks, Tim. Always good. All right. Peace. Wow, that was an awesome conversation. I love it every time I get a chance to speak with Eric. Now, I hope you guys took some really good things away from that conversation, one of which being, man, have a ridiculous commitment to your customer. It does so much good. And I love hearing Eric talk about that. I mean, there's instances where he has bent over backwards for customers. And sure, every once in a while, people take advantage of that. But I think that most folks appreciate it. And a commitment to customers like that will make you a legend that will win you repeat business and referral business over and over and over again. So, you know, if you're, if you're asking the question, well, I might lose a little bit of money on this or I'm not going to quite make the same margin, you know, just take a step back and think about if you were the customer, how would you want to be treated? What's fair? And I, I just trust that if you do the right thing enough times, I think it's going to come back around. Maybe not, but I've just seen that to be the case. You know, Zig Ziglar is famous for saying that you can have anything in life you want if you'll just help enough other people get what they want first. And I think that when you listen to Eric talking about that commitment to customer service, that's what he's doing is he's helping other people get what they want. So I hope that you guys can go out and do the same. Now, as we're rounding out this season, I want to do an episode with questions and answers. So if this season and these guests have brought to mind some questions that you've had in your day-to-day job with your sales team, with your installers, with your marketing, with your website, anything like that, please drop me an email. And the email address is tim at itsfiretime.com. If you send me an email with your question, what we're going to do is compile everything and we're going to do an episode of question and answer. So make sure to send that my way. I can't wait to answer your questions and keep this content going for you. You know, this is the narrow path. There's not many people that are intentionally taking time to invest in themselves and invest in their team so that everybody can win. So just know that you are walking a unique trail And I think that there's going to be some amazing things that you can bring to the table for our industry. So it'll be great to see how that unfolds. Like I said, I can't wait to see you in Dallas this next year at HPB Expo. And I look forward to getting your questions. You can send them right to tim at itsfiretime.com. Well, thanks, guys. We'll see you later. Thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast. To learn more, visit the website itsfiretime.com. The music from this episode was written and recorded by In Bloom out of Portland, Oregon. We thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. We'll see you next time.